Hey, you just take your time, Scott. You don't worry about it. <laughs> How about party? Someone asked me a couple of weeks ago, they said, was he playing the guitar with his mouth? I said, I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. It just seems like something Scott would do. Monsters. The last week of this series, and i got to tell you, I have enjoyed this series. It has spoke to me, I guess, because I, I deal with so many people in my life on a regular basis that you deal with the different types of personalities. And we've been talking about those types of monsters, talking about the gossiping monsters, the, the monsters that manipulate us. And I, I think it must be connecting because it's one of the most downloaded series that we've ever done. I've enjoyed this series. But today we're wrapping it up. And we're talking about the most vicious monster there is. The monster that will literally destroy us quicker than any other monster. And when we're looking at monsters, we always look at the other monsters. We don't look at the monster that is within us. The monster that resides in each and every one of us. Because the reality is we all have that dark side. We all have that side of us that could do things that might freak a lot of people out. One of my favorite scriptures is found in Exodus. Moses sees a burning bush where God commands him to go to Pharaoh and demand that he sets God's people free. And Moses says, who do I say has sent me? In Exodus, God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am has sent you. And I love that verse because it's always a reminder to me that God is exactly who we need him to be right when we need him to be that. He's an on-time God. He's an on-time, all-the-time God. And I love that scripture And one of the things that I have learned about our God is God is a healing God. He's a God that can heal that wild side that is in us. He can tame that wild side. He can can help us, if you will, contain that animal that lives within us. Now, when we think of healing so many times, we automatically go to a physical healing. And our God is a healing God when it comes to the physical nature. People can stand up and share story after story on that. But God is also a healer of emotional healing. And I think sometimes, especially, and I don't want to single out the men today, but us as men, we can overlook that emotional healing that is needed. We don't want anyone to know that we struggle internally with things because God forbid that wouldn't necessarily make us a man or what society says about being a man. Because society has messed up what being a man is all about. And it's funny, man, we've messed it up for a long time because the pendulum swung all the way over here at one time and men had no emotions and they were this. And now, man, men have just become, that's another series for another day. And oh, it's coming. I can feel it brewing. It's coming. We're in the last week of this series. We're going to be talking about that monster ourselves. The us says the monster. The reality is there's not a person here today that doesn't have some kind of hurt, habit, or hang up. Something that we struggle with. Something that was maybe triggered, maybe something that was 100% triggered for something that we've been through. The experiences that we have shape us. The experiences of who we were raised by. I said the experiences of who we were raised by. The experiences that we go through, the trauma that we go through, the dealings that we go through. And we all are shaped by these things, and unfortunately they get passed down from generation to generation. And we have these hurts, and we have these habits, and we have these hang-ups. And they literally, if we allow them, will destroy us. They will take over because 
The reality is, because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, we were born with this amazing thing that you don't hear very much about in church called a sin nature. We're born, people say, we're born good. No, we're born bad. How can you say that? We're born bad. No one has to teach a kid how to lie. Did you take that cookie? No. Colton Christie are here. How old is that baby now? Like 10 days or something? How many? 14 days old. That's tiny. Those suckers got 18 more years. Suckers! No, I'm just kidding. That baby's cute. Let me tell you about that little 14-year-old. I even asked him this, but I know it's true. She already knows the sin of manipulation. Ain't nothing wrong with her if she starts crying. She knows she starts crying, she's going to get whatever she wants. Colt's going to jump up because that's what dads do with their daughters. Or he's going to make Christy get up. That's what I would do. Hey, baby's crying, go take care of it. I'm stressed about the baby, go check on it. They just know, man, even when there's nothing wrong, they just want to be held, so they cry. We're born with a sin nature. And nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what? I can't wait for my sin nature to take over and destroy my life. That's my goal. I have this monster that is within me, and I am going to let the monster run free and it's literally going to destroy me. But people do it all the time. Nobody gets up one day and says, man, my marriage is so great, I'm just going to destroy it today. I got nothing better to do. Nobody wakes up one day and goes from zero to ten. That monster begins to sneak up on you. No one gets up and says, man, you know something? I'm just sick and tired of being blessed. I got this great family, these great parents. I have this life with great relationships, and I'm making a difference. And so today, because I have nothing better to do, I'm just going to jack up my life. Like nobody, think about it, nobody takes their first sip of alcohol. I says, man, that is good. I can't wait to become an alcoholic. You know? Nobody's at a party the first time and their buddies tell them to take some drugs and like, you know what? I cannot wait to become a meth addict and lose all my teeth. It's going to be amazing. This is my goal in life. I just can't wait. I can't wait to move on from this to needles. That's going to be incredible. I can't wait to be a junkie. What's your goal? I just want to be a junkie. I've never met anybody that has those goals. I've never met anybody who says, man, I like naked women. I've met a lot of people who say I like naked women. (laughs) I've met a lot of women who say they like naked women. They just didn't want the men to think I was just picking on them. I like naked women so much that I'm just going to become addicted to porn. Or I can't function in a day without it. I've never met anybody who's woke up and said, you know what, man, I just want to have such body issues that the first person who shows me some attention, I let them feed into me. I've never met anyone who woke up one day and said, man, money is such a great thing that I'm going to throw away all my morals and all my values and everything that's important in my life just to chase the money. Nobody ever wakes up and goes from zero to ten, but the reality is they do it every single day, step by step. I'm going to wake up today and start smoking two packs of cigarettes. I know what you're saying, Gary. Are you saying that's wrong? I'm I'm not saying it's going to send you to hell. It'll make you smell like hell. But I ain't saying it's going to send you to hell. Nobody ever says, man, I'm going to make this little friendly wager over here on this football game. And I'm going to get so consumed with the rush that comes from it 
that I'm going to lose everything financially I have, including my home, my marriage, and my children, because I gamble it all away. The reality is we all have a dark side, and all of our dark sides are different. And what I've learned about our dark sides is that we justify ours and we judge other people's. Christine and I knew this girl. She was literally the worst alcoholic I'd ever seen in my life. I've never met an alcoholic at this level of being an alcoholic. And I remember me and Christine were meeting with her one day, and she just went on this tirade about drug addicts. At least I'm not a drug addict. And she was just red. I'm thinking, but man, you got your own demons. And your demons are destroying your life. And then I've met drug addicts. Well, at least I don't use needles. Like that's, I guess there's levels of drug addicts. I don't know. I'm not in that world. It's okay that I smoke this, but I don't shoot this. We justify our demons. We justify our monsters. Yet we judge other people for theirs. Nobody sets out to ruin their life, but it happens every single solitary day. And the reality is that there's not a person in this room, preacher included, who at one time or another who has not had their monsters take over and destroy everything in their path at that moment. Gary Lamb, been there, done that. Not only do I have the T-shirt to prove it, I've got the wreckage to prove it, the T-shirt to prove it, the scars to prove it, the bruises, and the path of destruction to prove it. People end up there all the time. First Corinthians says this, I have the right to do anything. Gary, do I have a right to do this? You have a right to do whatever you want to do. That's the amazing thing about a God who gives us free will. I have the right to do anything. But not everything is beneficial. Talking to a guy last night who's been clean from drugs since July. He's proud of himself, and he should be. Good. But he was justifying drinking last night and being drunk. There's the deal. Have you ever been drunk? Yeah. Recently? He was justifying it. At least it's not drugs. He said, do you think me having a drink is wrong? I said, no. He said, drink away, buddy. I said, but is it the most beneficial thing for you? What do you mean? I said, where do you live? Grown-ass man now. My grandmother's. I said, you got a full-time job? You got a car? I said, if I gave you a car, could you legally drive it? No, I don't got a license. Yeah, I said, probably not the most beneficial thing for you right now. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. Don't miss this. Well, I will not be mastered by anything. When your dark side begins to master you, that's when you have a problem. When the monster is in control, instead of you in control of the monster, there's an issue. And the monster will destroy you. That word mastered is an interesting word. In the original Greek, it means to be enslaved to something. It means no matter how hard I want to get away from this, I can't get away from it because it owns me. When someone's being controlled by their inner self, they're not in control of what they should be doing. God is not in control of them. The monsters are in control of them. They're mastered. When those inner monsters come along, we immediately think of the big three. We think of alcohol, drugs, porn. Everybody else checks out of the sermon. This is a message on addiction, but it's not a message on addiction. It's a message on monsters. For some of you, the, 
the monster's your insecurity. For some of you, the monster's eating. For some of you, the monster is working. For some of you, how about this? This is going to shock you here because this is a good thing, Gary. All things are allowed, but not all things. For some of you, the gym is your monster. You said there's something wrong with the gym? No, I'm saying, but when the gym becomes your God, it really becomes your monster. When your self-worth is caught up in the gym, anybody can come along and get you off course. Like I said, some of you may be overeating. Intellectually, you say, this is not good, this is bad for my body, I shouldn't do this. But we take more bites. I'm in festival season right now. I put festivals on for a living. For the last month, every weekend, I've had a festival. I've ate more funnel cakes, more fried Oreos. And here's what I do. I justify it. Because I never get a funnel cake from the funnel cake vendor. All of you enablers, because that's what a person does when they're controlled by their monsters, they blame other people, walk around and say, man, you want a bite of my funnel cake? Yeah, I'll take one bite. And I justified it. It was only one bite. But I was sitting on the stage last night about to walk out, and Scott Farley, one of our elders who's an enabler, <laughs> said, you want a bite of this funnel cake? And I said, sure. I took a bite of the funnel cake, and this light bulb went off, and I said, man, I bet I have ate the equivalent of three and a half funnel cakes today. <laughs> one bite at a time. Then Adam Shelton, who's an enabler, and attends this church, and now decides he wants to be a food vendor. And every time I walk by, hey, you want a fried Oreo? And I justified. He went to make me an order of fried Oreos. I said, no, I don't want five fried Oreos. I just want one. Over the course of the day, I think I ate seven fried Oreos, which is more than one order. And then Connie, you want some chicken fingers? I'll just take one. Fifteen chicken fingers later at the end of the day, and then YJ, hey, you want some hand-cut fries? Well, hand-cut fries sound great. I'll just take a little handful of them. Twenty handfuls later. And then I wonder why at the end of the night I feel disgusting. And I feel horrible. And then I get up on Sunday morning and try to put my pants on, and the button just doesn't want to connect. I didn't start a month ago saying, you know what my goal is for October and festival season? To gain 10 pounds. Now, here's the amazing thing about festival season. On the average day of festival, I pull out my phone, I walk about 21 miles. I had a two-day festival this week, and I added it up last night. I walked 33 miles Friday and Saturday. It's a lot, ain't it? It's impressive, ain't it? Yet I still gained 10 pounds. That shows you how much food I'm eating at the festivals. I'm eating so much food that 20 miles of walking don't even touch it. It's like a middle finger. You think that stuff? Watch this funnel cake, sucker. The monster that is within us. It destroys us. How about someone who overspends? I know rents do, but I get this today, and I send rent in two days late. It'll get there in two days, and it won't be late until it's five days. And by the time it reaches day five and they deposit it, I will have done this and put this money back in because I got to have that. Mm, the monster. I know I need to be home. I know I need to be with the family. I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know she says I work too much. But if I don't do this, is it going to get done? I think work might be the biggest thing, especially those of you who work for someone else. You become enslaved to them. I saw something the other day, I thought it was pretty 
interesting. It was a store that said no PTO will be granted from like November 15th to the end of the year. PTO stands for personal time off. If I work for you, I don't owe you a reason why I'm taking a day off. It's my personal time off. He said, well, that's not how it works in the corporate world. That's why I don't work in the corporate world then. I don't owe you an explanation on why I'm not. Well, you said, don't you have employees? Well, I have people who work for me, and they're faithful to be there. But guess what? If one of them could not be there, they don't really owe me an explanation. They're not my slaves. Now, if it got to the point where they weren't there too much, I'd have to find someone to replace them. But the workaholic monster, so many men work all the time because they don't want to put the work in at home. So they find their validation in how much they work. And they, we, we, we've almost made it a badge of honor. I worked 80 hours this week. Well, good for you. <laughs> you say, Gary, but you work a lot, but I don't. Look where you miss out on that. I do a lot. I don't work a lot. I basically work two months out of the year, April and October. Everything else I do, I do for fun. I know two months out of the year I got to work hard where I can have the next 10 months to do whatever I want to. But even in those months, I'm pretty flexible. But I used to take pride in how much I worked. I used to brag about it. The end of my life, no one's going to care how much I work, but the monster in me. So the question becomes, when you're trying to figure out your monster, is very simply this. What has mastered you? What has control of you? You know what it is. In the blank of your mind, put it in there. It's that thing that really deep down inside you hate. It's that animal in you. And you hate what you've become, but you're so deep in now, you don't know if you can get out of it. I'm addicted to porn. I'm consumed by it. I hate it. I literally had a guy say, he said, I, I'm to the point now where I hate it. But I still do it. I had a guy that was on staff at a church years ago where the staff people had an affair. The church kind of shunned him because, you know, the church is good at that. And I kept in contact with him. And I went out to eat with him one day at lunch. And I'll never forget him telling me this because I, I, I wasn't very versed in that life at that time. I didn't know the inner workings of that kind of stuff. He said, you know the funny thing, Gary? I said, uh-uh. He said, man, it was fun at first. I'm like, well, yeah, sex sounds fun. And he goes, you know that verse in the Bible that says there's pleasure in sin for a season? And he goes, because I understand that. He goes, in the end, I hated her. And he goes, you know what? If she was to be honest, she hated me. But we were so, in exact words, we were so deep in the belly of the monster that we couldn't stop. And then he called himself, he said, or should I say, we wouldn't stop. You've got to control the monster. Here's the deal about the monster. You can't kill this monster. I don't care what anyone tells you, there's nothing you can do to make this monster go away. I was outside today talking to someone who was smoking, and we were talking. I said, you know, I used to smoke. He said, well, I said, yeah, not long, about a year and a half of my life. I said, I haven't smoked in literally probably 25 years. We were laughing and cutting. I said, you know the funny thing? I said, it's rare, but every now and then I'll get up on a cold morning, and I'll eat breakfast, and just for a brief second... I think, man, a cigarette would be good right now. I'm like, where did that come from? I thought about smoking. I mean, it's probably been 26 years. But that monster's there. If you let that monster take control, it will literally take over your life. What has you mastered? How about that monster? Preaching to myself here now. I don't want to think I'm picking on y'all. 
about that monster of social media? <laughs> you can't function. Y'all can't get through a church service without checking it. I see it from the stage. I know what that blue on your phone is. I ain't dumb the blue and white. You can't get through a church. I don't know why you come. Wouldn't it be easier to stay at home and check Facebook there? And I get it. Because when David's preaching, I'm doing it too. And then I justify it. you know how I justify it? I'm going to take a picture of David and talk about how good he's preaching. I'm not lying, he's preaching good, but it's really just an excuse to check Facebook. Boy, that social media monster. It'll kill you. I watch vendors. At the end of the day, I didn't make any money. I think, of course you didn't make any money. You sit in the back of your booth all day long. Scrolling Facebook. That's an expensive way to check social media. Man, video games. Just consume You say anti-video games. No, I'm not anti-video games. Play away. Care what you're into. But when it consumes your life, I literally know marriages that have been ruined over guys not stopping playing video games. What the hell is wrong with you? Nothing, it's just a monster. Just because I don't get it doesn't mean it's not the same monster that I deal with. It just manifests itself different. That monster has a different face. Your monster's a Frankenstein and mine's a Dracula. Mine's a Dracula and yours is a zombie. Guess the goal of all the monsters to destroy you. Don't matter what kind of monster they are. So again, I ask you, what has you mastered? Some people are mastered by their appearance. Here's the, I think we ought to keep our body in shape. We ought to try to look nice. We ought to take care of the temple that God has given us. We probably shouldn't eat three and a half funnel cakes in a day. But some people just are mastered by it. It consumes them. It controls them. And I'm always like, man, you're 2% body fat, man. Like, what are you worried about? Roll with it. Eat a funnel cake. Let it change your life. Here's the problem with what has this matter. I want to make a slightly controversial statement, but I believe in most cases it's true. When we're talking about the outward visible monster, insecurity, temper, drugs, alcohol, porn, Love of money, whatever it is. That's not always necessarily the problem. It's just the bloom from the root of the problem. That's just necessarily, it's just basically a symptom of the problem. In most cases, the root of the problem when it comes to our monster it's very simply idolatry. So what do you mean, Gary? We're allowing something besides God to control us. We're allowing something besides God to meet a need in us that only God can meet. And that's why whatever it is is only temporary. Did you find relief in the bottom of the bottle? Of course you did. Temporarily. Did you find relief in the high of the three and a half funnel cakes? Of course you did. It's a funnel cake. It's amazing. Temporarily. Did you find a high in the, the, uh, the sexual encounter of the affair? Of course you did. Temporarily. We're looking for something, anything to fill the void that God ought to be filling. We're making an idol out of these things. 
Let me explain this. I came across this chapter in the Bible years ago, and one day I was reading, and I was actually laughing at the stupidity of the story. And I'm not one of these kooky preachers that says, God spoke to me in an audible voice. But God spoke to me in my spirit as I was laughing at this idiot. Isaiah 44, the context is this. You got this guy, and he's a carpenter. Don't put that up yet, please. Pull it down. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya. I love you, and I know that you love me, and I know that you don't get inside of my mind like Xander. He just fills it with the Holy Spirit of God coursing through his veins. I want to put the slide up. And she is the Tanya spirit. But don't put it up yet. I've got to explain the story. The context of this, you got this guy, and he's a carpenter. And he's cut down some trees. And he's taking the wood from the trees. The trees, wood. Don't miss this, don't miss this. A neutral object. Neither good nor bad. Neither good nor bad. And he did some good things with it. The Bible says he took that wood and he made a fire. Fire, good. And he cooked some food on the fire. Food, good. And the Bible says he kept himself warm from that fire. I'm a big fan of being warm. Good. He took this wood that was neither good nor bad, and he made some decisions with this wood, and he made some good decisions with this wood. Then he took the wood, a neutral object, and suddenly, I don't know what kind of mushrooms he was eating at the time, he began to carve an idol, a statue out of the remaining wood. And I'm going to read the verses for you in a minute. And then after he carved out this idol from the wood, the Bible says he began to worship the idol he created. He bowed down before the idol he created. He began to look at the wood that he created, the neutral object, and he began to make a God out of it. Hmm. That neutral object, food is a neutral object. Food can be used for good, but also if it consumes you and becomes an idol, it can be used for bad. Money is not evil. Contrary to what every poor preacher in America will tell you. There's a lot of good things about money. I'm a big fan of money. You know why? Because it puts a roof over my head. Wheels under my car. Funnel cakes in my belly. I like money. But money can be bad because it can be the thing that consumes you. It can never be enough for you. Entertainment is a neutral object. It is neither good nor bad. But when it begins to obsess you and consume you, sports, it can control you. Literally, some people build their life around sports teams. They can't function without it. I literally laugh every year when literally some, it's always multiple dumbasses. It's football season. Don't get married. We won't be there. Like, I'm going to plan my wedding around whether or not you come because of a football game? I've had five people ask me that. You know Georgia, Tennessee's next Saturday, and you got that festival. Okay, let me cancel it then. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the sun shines on a dog's butt every now and then, and Tennessee decided to be good for once in the last two decades and it fell on the day I was having a festival. Oh, did I say that? Sorry. I literally, I had a vendor. I woke up this morning to a vendor. Hey, I won't be there next week. Can I get a refund because of George Hitch? I said, absolutely not. You don't got to come, but I will be keeping your vendor money. But it's the Georgia Tennessee. I don't give two rips. I'll have the Georgia-Tennessee game on TV. That's the benefit of knowing Chad Jenkins. So I'll watch the game and still work. But you think I'm going to build my life around a neutral object? I love the Bulldogs. I watched them yesterday as I was running around. They won. Beat the Florida Gators. I'm not going to build my life around that. 
when that neutral object begins to take over, something's wrong. Isaiah 44, check it out. He said he cut down cedars. Or perhaps he took a cypress or an oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest. Or he planted the pine and the rain made it grow. Uh, he used it as fuel for burning, a good thing. And some of it takes and warms himself. And he kindles a fire and he bakes bread. Bread, good. I'm sure it had chocolate chips in it. But he also fashions a god and he worships it. He makes an idol and he bows down to it. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it, he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and he eats his fill. He warms himself and says, I am warm, I see the fire. And from the rest, he makes a god his idol. And he bows down to it and he worships and he prays to it and says, Save me, you are my god. He makes an idol out of some wood. He bows down to it and he prays to it and he says, Save me, you are my god. How many of you think that sounds crazy? Save me, vodka. Because I want to forget my problems for the night. Save me, cheesecake. Save me, Jim, because I got rejected in high school because somebody didn't like my body. Save me, money, because I'm going to find security in the fact that I can buy whatever I want when I want. Save me, Kirby Smart, because I wasn't good enough in high school to go to the next level, and I live vicariously through a bunch of people I don't know simply because they wear red and black, and my daddy raised me up wolfing like a dog, and that's my whole demeanor depends on whether they win or lose. He don't seem so crazy now, does he? He's worshiping a tree. At least he made the tree into the idol. You're worshiping a G that don't even know your name. Mm. I need this. Save me, my God. And that monster's swelling up. Ourselves is swelling up. Huh. Next verse is they know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see and their minds are closed so they cannot understand. I don't see a problem with this. I don't see a problem worshiping this tree. I don't see a problem with X, Y, and Z. Gary, it brings me pleasure. Is that wrong? It's not wrong until it masters you. I hope Georgia beats the crap out of Tennessee next week. I love the dogs. Nothing wrong with that. That's called fun. But guess what? If they lose, I'll still be here Sunday morning, my usual sunny, shiny self, and God will still be on the throne. I'm not going to come home after a football game and my wife have to walk on eggshells because she's worried about me being in a bad mood over a football game. I don't know why I'm picking on dogs fans today. It just seems to... Holy Spirit. The next verse. No one stops to think. No one has the knowledge to understand and say, half of it I use for fuel and I even bake bread or the coals I roast the meat and ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? <laughs> he was seeking to find something in his life. He needed something tangible to worship. We don't set out to worship a block of wood. We don't set out to make food our God, money our God, insecurity our God, affirmation from people we don't need affirmation from our God. We put ourselves in situations they shouldn't be in, and I don't think we set out to be in that situation. It just happens. I did not set out to eat three and a half funnel cakes yesterday. But one bite at a time, I got there. We're seeking to find what only God can provide in something besides God. We do that with our happiness. 
Some of you, your monsters, your spouse, because you're looking for something in your spouse that you ought to find in yourself. Let me educate you. It's not your spouse's job to make you happy. Now, thank God how miserable it would be to be with someone who doesn't make you happy. But it's not their goal. It's not their job. We're supposed to find joy in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. See what we're doing? We're replacing our spouse with something that God should bring to us. We all have monsters, and you better learn to control those monsters. So how's this play out, Gary? I don't know. You're stressed out. You've got a lot going on. You want peace. You need to relax. Man. COVID hit. I've told you this where I lost all my jobs. I was in the event business. And for the first time ever in my life, in my mind, I was trying to be funny. I don't even know if any of y'all remember this. So I'd get on Facebook Live every night, and I'd call it Bourbon with Gary. I'd have a different bourbon every night, and I'd rant and rave about the city of Canton and the government shutting things down. And you'd get thousands of views. That fed my ego. And then I did a second night. Then I did a third night. Then I did an eighth night in a row. And then one day, <laughs> I was bored. About day 13. And I decided at 11.30 in the morning, we was going to have bourbon with Gary. Christine came in and she said, I love you. I've never really thought about anything, about you drinking or anything. But 13 days in a row, it's 11.30. I come from a family of addicts. That freaked me out. And I thought to myself, man, the first time things got bad, I'm going out, and I've never, never been much of a drinker. I made the decision. I said, man, I'm not drinking. I'm going to go 90 days without drinking. I ended up going like almost eight months without even having a sip of alcohol. Not because I was an alcoholic, but I needed to know that I was in control of the monster, not the monster in control of me. Because 13 days might not have made me an alcoholic, but who knows what would happen at day 17, day 21, day 30, day 90. There would have come a day where I couldn't have made it through the day without a bourbon with Gary. But here's the deal. The issue wasn't even the alcohol. The alcohol would have been a byproduct of it. The issue was I needed the affirmation of the thousands of people watching because I wasn't putting on events. I was looking for people to replace in my life what God should have been doing. The affirmation of God should have been good enough. Mm. We're seeking to find what only God can provide in something besides God himself. It comes out of nowhere. Do you think that first night that I was just trying to be funny and God on Facebook, my goal was to say, man, I hope this turns into me becoming an alcoholic. And I get known all over the country in millions of views for drinking bourbon? No. But the monster will swell up and you've got to control that monster. I don't know what your monster is today. But you'll better learn to get in control of your monster. Or your monster will control you. And here's the thing about that monster, it's slick. You won't even know that it's taken over until you hit rock bottom. First step, basic step. You've got to admit you've got a problem. You better do some soul searching. You better step back. Even if your life is great right now and you don't think you've got a monster, baby, you've got a monster. You better identify that joker. You've got to know because here's the deal. You've got to know what the monster is. Because if it's a vampire, you don't kill a vampire the same way you kill a zombie. You coming at me as a vampire, I got to have the cross and the garlic and all that stuff. That don't work on a zombie. I don't know how you kill a zombie. Dead head. Apparently got Walking Dead fans. I don't know if you kill all zombies that way. I don't know. But you got to know the monster if you're going to kill it. The only way you know the monster is to admit you got a problem. Until you get to this point in your monstering, is that a word? It is now. You will never be able to defeat your monster. Jeremiah 3.13 said, Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods. 
alcohol, porn, insecurity, anger, whatever it is, other gods, things you're putting in the place, work under every spreading tree, and they have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. Simply admit, God, in this area, this is my struggle. Everybody's area is different. My area for years was affirmation. I just wanted affirmation. Which is weird. I grew up with very affirming parents. But I always wanted people to tell me I was doing a good job. There's a problem with that. As I got victory over that, I almost went to the opposite extreme. I didn't want your affirmation because your criticism fueled me. So now criticism became my monster. I looked for people to criticize me and created things for them to criticize just where it could fuel me to do better. How unhealthy is that? I have issues. You need to realize you have issues. Why are you consumed with the gym? Why are you consumed with this? Why are you consumed with that? That means you got a problem. Why do you need that drink? It's destroyed everything in your life. But you still need it. And you still justify it. Listen to me quick. It admits you got a problem. Number two, quit feeding your fleshly desires. You know the quickest way for me not to eat three and a half funnel cakes? Don't go around the people selling the funnel cakes. It's not their job not to give me funnel cakes. It's a lot easier for me not to eat the funnel cakes when I'm not in their booth. Someone asked me recently, they were an alcoholic, you said, you think I should stay away from bars? I said, right now? Forever? I said, I don't know. I said, but the fact that you're trying to justify when you can get back in the bar tells me you probably don't need to be in them for a long time. I can go into a bar. I put on beer festivals for a living and can go whole festival season without one sip of beer. I always find it funny. I pull the alcohol license. I sell the beer. The people go buy me my own beer. People say, I see you walking around with the beer. I say, you see me walking around with the beer. You'll never see me drinking it. I'm working. Normally, I'll give it to someone when they're not looking because I don't want people to think they're wasting me. I throw it away. Amazing. I can function in life without alcohol. I can be around drunk people all day long. I watched my wife Friday night, a group of ladies there all taking shots. They gave her a shot. I watched them. She put it in her mouth, and they didn't look. She tossed it in the bushes. Why? Because she's a grown adult. She don't got to drink to have fun. Some of you can't have fun without drinking because you got a problem. And again, I'm not anti-drinking. I, again, I put on beer festivals for a living. I'm not holier than thou. I'm not holy rolling on you. I'm not teetotaling on you. I'm just saying you got an issue. Is that your monster? you got to quit going around those fleshly desires. If it feels good, do it. Paul said you can't do that. But there's consequences for it. Here's the thing about sin. I'm going to tell you something you ain't hardly ever heard a preacher say before. Sin's fun. <laughs> if it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. I told you, I think it's in Hebrews, the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. But eventually there's consequences to that sin. There's consequences to that DM. That's direct message, you old folks. You know what the direct message is. You might not just know it's called a DM. There's consequences to having that Snatch Chat. Oh, I'm sorry, Snapchat. I'm going to be about old school funny as I can get. There ain't no other reason you got Snapchat but then to communicate with people you ain't supposed to be communicating with. You ain't got to like it. You ain't got to agree with it. But it's the only social media that is totally in private, and that's why you got it. Take it or leave it. I don't really care. Galatians 5 says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify. I just like the filter. Shut up. Instagram's got filters. TikTok's got filters. Yeah, you like the filters, all right. 
Problem is, you like the filters, and when you meet her in person, you don't even know who she is because all you got was filters. So I say, walk by the Spirit. I'm having fun if no one else is. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. The Spirit, what God wants, the Holy Spirit, and the flesh are fighting. The flesh wants what the flesh wants. Why? Because we're born bad. We're born sinners. They're in conflict with each other. But you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. When you're led by the Spirit, you don't got to be under rules and regulations because you're under grace. And grace, and grace is not a license. Grace is you'll want to operate in the Spirit because you understand the awesomeness of the gift of God in your life. For those of us that are believers, there's this battle going on. There's a war. And we're like that spoiled child. We want what we want. But what we want is not always what God desires for us. And here's the thing that's rough about God. It's going to be one of the first questions I ask him. Now, I don't want to say I have a problem with God in this area, because God knows best. But the problem with God is he'll give you what you want. Even if it isn't what he wants. And you'll deal with the consequences of what you wanted instead of the consequences of what he wanted for your life. The problem with some of you, you keep putting yourself in positions to have the monsters take over. You got anger issues. You're white knuckling it. You keep putting yourself in situations that ignite your anger instead of avoiding them situations. Or, or, or... Going to a counselor and learning how to deal with those situations. Shocker. You just going to figure it out on your own. How's that working for you? It's a lot easier for me not to spend money when I go to places, when I don't go to places where I want to spend my money. I had to the other day go to Schottenkirk and deliver some T-shirts. And this is how them car salesmen get you. Hey, meet me at my car, he described his car. That guy's my friend on Facebook. He parked that car right next to this dually. I thought I was past wanting a dually. Because I don't need a dually, apparently. Apparently. Even though six tires are better than four. And a big hip truck is sexy. But when I got around that truck, I made the fatal mistake. How much is that truck? I'm sure we can work something out. I said, yeah, you think? I said, you think I can keep my payments about the same? I'm sure we can work something out, Gary. We do a lot of your events. Here's the deal, he probably could have kept the payments the same. But that two years left on that payment <laughs> turned into eight. You know how finance a truck for eight years? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. So I could have kept the payments the same, but I'd have paid on it for six more years. One of the very few times in my life I learned to contain the monster. But guess what? Next time he wants T-shirts, he can come get them from me. Because the flesh is weak. He's going to keep ordering T-shirts, and I'm going to drive away with a dually. you got to quit feeding your fleshly desires. If certain things are triggers for you, check this out. Don't miss this. You woke, enabled people. If something's a trigger for you, it's your responsibility to avoid it. Not my responsibility not to trigger you. 
If you can't go listen to live music without drinking and you're an alcoholic, then don't go listen to live music. If you can't go to Alpine Bakery without ordering four slices of cheesecake, don't get four slices of cheesecake. Step number three, stop rationalizing your behavior and making excuses. Addicts love to rationalize their behavior. People with hurts, habits, and hang-ups love to rationalize their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Luke 14 is a great example. Jesus told a parable. He said there was a guy inviting people to a banquet. He said, I'm throwing this party. Come to this party. And everybody began to make excuses. First, they said, man, I just bought a field, and I got to go see it. Hey, man, I love to come to your party, but I bought some land, and I got to go see it. Wouldn't you think he'd already seen the land if he had just bought it? David Westford taught me a long time ago, don't ever buy land if you ain't walked every inch of it. That don't make a lot of sense to me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. I don't even know what trying out oxen means, but can't come. One said, I just got married and I can't come. I, he probably only had a valid excuse. I understood that. He thought he'd go to a party a week before he got married. He can't go nowhere. We're just rationalizing it. I'm going to get real, it's, it, we've been funny, but I want to get real serious with you. I don't talk about this often. Years and years ago, it's no secret, I lost my church, had an affair. I meant this when I said it. I justified and rationalized that God was allowing me to have an affair. So sin's a bitch. Excuse my language. I'm not trying to cuss just to cuss. There's no other way to describe it. Because I would say, look what I built. There's 1,200 people showing up here every week. I just baptized 150 people. We're going to feed 10,000 people this holiday season. People are giving their life to Christ every week here. And God knows that's the weak link in my life, and he's allowing me. I, that's, how I, that's what sin will do to you. I'm out screwing around to my wife, and I'm justifying it like God is allowing me to do it. And I believed it. You better stop rationalizing your behavior. My drinking isn't hurting anybody but me. No, it's hurting everybody around you. That's why you're alone. My gambling isn't hurting anybody. Well, that's why you ain't got no money. Here, I'm not having a friend. I'm just chatting. Mm. Ask, out, ask a bunch of junkies how they got started. They didn't start with a needle the first time. They begin to rationalize their behavior and make excuses. You better stop making those excuses. As long as you're justifying your behavior, you will never get control of your monster because the monster ain't going away. It ain't going away. It's always going to be there. Step four, bring your addiction, bring your monster. And I use that word addiction because, I don't, again, I don't want you to see, just think addiction and think addiction is just drugs. Bring your monster out into the open. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces finds mercy. There's something powerful about it. My wife and I were dealing with some things, nothing major, don't read into it, but some little things. And we brought them into the light in the last couple of weeks. And the minute you bring them into the light, they begin to go away. Is that not correct? Because when you play it in your head, it's worse. One of my personal values in life is run to confrontation. You say, what does that mean? I hate confrontation. Believe it or not, I hate it. But when I got to confront someone, I run to it. Because here's why. The longer I avoid the confrontation, the more bigger it becomes in my head. Well, I can come up with some crazy scenarios on how it's going to go down. Crazy. But when I deal with it, I deal with it. You got to find, bring it out in the open. Let others know about it. 
find people in your life you can be honest with. I'm going to tell you something else, and this might shock you. I don't yet even run this by my wife. The person of accountability in your life doesn't always need to be your spouse. If you're dealing with porn issues, though your wife wants to be supportive, it's probably going to affect her every time you come to her and tell her, man, I've been looking at naked women. I'm not saying you don't hide your struggle from her. But when you're struggling every time, you want to go get drunk. Maybe you need to find someone else besides her or him. Now, maybe there is times they're your accountability person. But you need to find someone who's been there, done that. I have different people in different areas of my life that I go to with different issues. I have different business people in my life that I go to with different business issues. Last night, I went to one of my mentors because it was an issue about events. and He's one of the biggest event people in the world, literally in the world. David Westrick is one of my business mentors, but I, don't go, I, I, I would go to him. And this is, I didn't need to go to him about events. He's not in the event business. That doesn't mean he couldn't give me good advice, but this was a specific question. I went to a specific person about a specific question about a specific event that this guy has done. This guy literally was the founder of Music Midtown. He knows about events. See what I'm saying? Find someone. Tanya, we put that point back up, please? I don't know if you know how to go back to the last slide or even if you can do that, to be honest with you. Oh, bring your addiction out in the open. Find the person you're going to go to. I'll tell you something even on a funnier scale. I went to my wife one time and told her, I need you to keep me accountable. Not with other women. Not with drugs. Not with drinking. Keep me accountable on how I'm eating. No. Mm-mm. Every time I went to get some Ben and Jerry's, I don't want to hear my wife say, what are you doing? I asked her to do it. But I don't want to hear it begin to affect things in our marriage. Don't fat shame me, woman. She's like, you asked me to. I had to find someone else in my life. I had to pay a coach. I didn't get mad when the coach did it. As you can tell, I didn't listen. But I didn't get mad. I'm saying you got to find the right people. She's my wife. Not my fat shamer. And now she's the other extreme because she's grown in some areas and that thing. Now she's like a chubby chaser. You want some cake? Well, yeah. Of course I do. Let people hold you accountable. If you have no accountability in your life, you will never be successful. Ever. Show me the people in your life who will get in your face. Who've earned the right to get in your face and who you've allowed to get in your face. Find people who've been there, done that. Matter of fact, just yesterday, just yesterday, I was talking to a guy at the festival. This guy asked me something about marriage. I can ask you a question. Another guy, and the guy was being funny. He was not being rude. He thought he was being funny. He said, you're going to take marriage advice from a guy who's been divorced? And that guy turned around and looked at me and said, Absolutely. He said, because he's already made all the mistakes. And he goes, well, I hate that he's made them. I'd rather learn from his mistakes than make my own. That guy was like, and the guy, and I, I heard the guy's heart. He, wasn't, he was trying to be funny. But boy, that guy said him straight quick. I could write a book on how to ruin a marriage. I could write a book on how not to handle your finances. I could write a book on... How to let your monsters control you. Last night I'm done because I'm hungry and i got to get out of here. i got to feed the monster. I actually got to get some real food in me. Like a vegetable. 
Like a bite of salad, that'd be good. I'm like a fine-tuned machine. One bite of salad will offset all the other stuff. Depend on God's power, never yours. You might find this surprising about me, but I'm a control freak. And I tend to think that I can control everything, especially my own life. And that has led me into a lot of messes in my life. So we live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, the weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. The monster always starts with a thought. Before there can ever be an action, there has to be a thought. For those that say, he put no thought in it, he put, it might have been a split-second thought. I had that tendency at times. There was a split-second. We have got to train our minds to become obedient to Christ and our thoughts. That's the power of accountability. Accountability does you no good after you've screwed up. Now it can be there to restore you and let you know it's not over. What if you reached out immediately? We're a slave to whatever has mastered us. In our minds, we believe this monster is the answer. And that's a lie. God's weapons come along. And when we have the mind of God, we have true joy. The Bible calls it the joy of the Lord. I just want peace. The Bible says he'll give you peace that passes all understanding. The Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart. When you have the mind of God, it changes everything. You look at your monster and think it's so big. How can I defeat this? I've heard preachers give them talk about David and Goliath, and everybody looked at the giant and said, man, how can we defeat him? How can we defeat him? He's so big. David looked at the giant and said, man, he's so big, how can I miss him? I've actually found out the bigger the monster, the easier it is to knock down. But you've got to believe. You've got to have the mind of God. Here's the problem. It's a choice. So many of you have learned how to function in your dysfunction, you don't even realize your monster's controlling you. It's cliche, but you've become comfortable in your discomfort. You don't even realize you have a hurt habit or hang up in a monster controlling you because it has become your norm. So here's my thing. As you're evaluating to see how do I admit I have a problem, whatever you think's a monster in your life, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the hurt is. I don't know what the habit is. I don't think it is. See if you can go 30 days without it. Can't go 30 days without it. Chances are it's a monster's controlling you instead of you controlling the monster. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.